are listening to Bicycle Retail Radio, brought to you by the National Bicycle Dealers Association. Welcome to another episode of Bicycle Retail Radio, produced by the National Bicycle Dealers Association. This is MBDA President Heather Mason. Specialty bicycle retailers are the heart of the cycling industry, and since 1946, the NBDA has existed to strengthen these businesses through education, research, communication, and advocacy. We strongly believe when we create thriving bicycle retailers, the industry and the cycling community follows. We wish to see the entire bicycle industry continue to thrive and all within find a genuine work-life balance, lasting friendships, and the comfort in a truly connected industry. The NBDA is a nonprofit supported by the membership of participating retailers and industry partners. If you're not already a member, you can learn more and join at mbda.com. Today's guest is Brett Lang. He is co-founder at Ikeono, a texting platform that allows retailers to communicate easily with their customers. Brett started managing Bella Sports Group in 2017. I'm sure he's going to correct me on that. And quickly realized the industry deserved a better way to communicate. Finding Ikeono with his brother, Drew Lang, the platform has changed what communication with our customers looks like and further automated the customer feedback loop to drive positive experiences to review sites. As retailers, we know that customer communication is at the core of everything we do, and this conversation will leave you inspired for how streamlined, direct, and efficient your communication can be, allowing you to free up some of your valuable time. But before we begin, I want to offer a sincere note of thanks to association member Bike Flights. They are great supporters of the MBDA and retailers at large. Since 2009, Bike Flights has been making it easy for individuals, bike shops, and events to ship bikes, wheels, and gear with confidence. I'm a personal fan. I've been using them for several years. They advocate for more and better safe roads and trails and places to ride. And the company is focused on sustainability. You can learn more at bikeflights.com. All right. So without further ado, let's welcome Brett to Bicycle Retail Radio. Thank you for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Brett, I totally messed up the sports group that you managed. <laughs> it's all good. <laughs> yeah, Tribella. Oh, I was like, Tribella, that's a good name, though. <laughs> Maybe a Thai-specific bike shop. <laughs> so we've met just a few times over the past year, and I'm constantly hearing retailers in our member networking meetings in our P2 group saying, I work with Ikeono. Have you heard of them? So I was so excited to bring you on the show today. And I just, let's start out simple. Where are you located? I'm able to see you. You've got some bikes behind you, but where is home? Denver, Colorado. Yeah, we, you know, this is where it all started for us. And we moved to New York City for a little bit there, but ultimately made it back. And so at this point, we're pretty permanently planted here in Colorado. It's a nice place to be. I'm a big skier and snowboarder, and I've been watching. You guys have gotten some good snow this year. So in the Northeast, it's just cold, nothing. (laughs) Yeah, it's been, you know, it's one of those things where all the fires the last couple of years, like you would get frustrated when it would snow, but now it's just a really welcome thing to get the moisture. So, (laughs) All right. So I am super intrigued and I need to know more the dynamics of starting a company with your brother. There's so much there I want to unpack, but just to rewind. So I've read, I did some research on you and theory states that you were managing a service oriented bike shop when the idea hit you to start Ikea. Talk to me about this. Yeah, I 
in what feels like a past life worked for the government, unfortunately. <laughs> and I ran operations for Denver District Court, had a bit of a midlife crisis, which brought me to the bike industry. It was always a, you know, as a triathlete, really enjoyed riding and was given an opportunity to come into the bike space. And, you know, it was one of my first kind of realizations, like obviously the government struggles with communication and with efficiency. And, you know, it was the great thing about the bike space was that there was a need and there was an opportunity. And so Drew and I were playing video games one day, you know, he was an iOS developer for TripAdvisor at the time. And, you know, we were both dreaming of kind of starting our own thing. And he asked like, you know, is there something that we could do relative to the bike space? And then it kind of took off from there. So love the idea of just hanging out and just chatting about this. And then next thing you know, so was your brother a cyclist or was he in the industry at all? Or no, Drew's idea of bike riding is a beach cruiser with a beer and a coconut koozie, you know, <laughs> which is a great time. Don't get me wrong. You, know, you don't have to be a 200 mile a week rider to really enjoy it. But no, he wasn't really in the space at the time. And to be quite honest, I'd only been in the space for about a week when we started this. So, oh so yeah. you two must have a really awesome relationship to, you know, I'm thinking about you guys just hanging out, playing video games, brainstorming this awesome idea, this need that you thought that you could solve, you know, have a solution for, but you must have, have you worked on previous projects together or is this the first thing that you really took on as a team? This was really the first thing that we've taken on, you know, we had kind of talked about different things and, you know, Drew's been a developer kind of his entire career versus I've been in a lot of different spaces. I, you know, I worked in the automotive space, managed a mechanic shop and worked there through school, then going into the government and then ultimately the bike space. And, you know, we'd always kind of talked about doing something together, but nothing ever really felt right until kind of bike, you know, so this is really our, you know, knock on wood, our first endeavor together. <laughs> This the sibling relationship is so just fascinating to me. And I have a brother who I'm super close with. And, you know, we've talked about, oh, wouldn't this be great? Or the industry needs this, but we've never been able to actually execute on something. And, you know, working with you and knowing that it's, a you know, you and your brother are behind this business is, it feels good. You know, it just that is a feel good thing. Brett, how long did it take? What was the process like from when you guys were sitting playing the video game that day to actually launching Ikeono. How long was that process? It was probably about two months. You know, we, what we started as ultimately was different than what we are now. You know, it was a classic kind of tech situation where we saw the problem and we overthought the solution. Uh, so we actually started as an iOS app that allowed bike riders to set up profiles on their bikes and would track maintenance through Strava and then make recommendations and allow them to schedule with local bike shops. So that's actually what Ikeono started. And, you know, that was something where like I was working at the shop full-time, Drew was working full-time, like on days off, I would go set up like a little mechanic stand out in a park near my apartment and would help riders and kind of talk to them about Ikeono. So it was like a really cool kind of startup from that perspective. 
and had a lot of kind of serendipitous moments throughout the process. Uh, I sold a bike to Michael Horvath, the founder of Strava here in Denver, and kind of started a relationship just as this was going on. And that was where we started. And we did that for about a year and before we still like we tried to get a really decent base of riders on the platform. Then we started going to bike shops and talking to them. And it was when we started really kind of interacting with bike shops and hearing about their pain points, hearing about what they were hoping to accomplish, that we started kind of morphing the original Ikeono concept to what it's become today, which is helping bike shops communicate better with their customers. This is an awesome story. So it's like the best organic way of actually, you know, you have this platform that you started and you, you know, this amazing idea, then you're selling a bike to the founder of Strava, which is really awesome in itself. And then next thing you know, you're just morphing and responding to the needs that you're seeing. So why Ikeono? What's behind the name? How did that come about? I wish it was cool. You know, it's one of those things where nowadays, like to SEO, you're fighting an uphill battle. And so to kind of do something that's already, you know, somewhat defined, especially in the bike space, a lot of times you're better off just making up a name and starting it from scratch. And with our original concept, we were kind of a bike monitor. Like our catchphrase was the check engine light for your bike. And Ikeono is a terrible anagram of bike monitor. So we just kind of did it. We launched and then, you know, we kind of got stuck with it. And, you know, it's one of those things where we hold it really dear now. We trademarked it. It's still autocorrects to Ikeon, you know, when you're Googling it, but hopefully one day that'll stop. But is it the best name? Probably not, but it's ours. <laughs> I definitely found myself on Ikea a couple times yeah. when I was looking up to get ready for the podcast. Oh, oh man. No, I, that is a good story. So are you officially headquartered in Denver then? Is that where the official headquarters is? Yeah. Um, yes. Okay, so you tell me that you've told us that you've morphed a little bit and it's really about the way that retailers are communicating with their customers. Could you give us a quick overview of the services that Ikeono offers in case any of our listeners haven't heard of the platform before? Yeah, originally we were a texting platform. So we would text enable business phone numbers. So all the messaging would come from the store phone number. And really what set us apart was our integrations with point of sale systems, primarily Lightspeed, which has been kind of our original offering, but we're launching Ascend, Edge Technologies, then a couple other integrations. And, you know, that's where we started was being able to text with customers, especially nowadays, right? It's a almost a badge of honor to not set up a voicemail. It's so difficult to get anybody on the phone anymore because we're all on Zoom calls at this point. And, you know, email has become such a, you know, there's so much filtering going on with email to try and make it a better conduit for communication that a lot of times it was getting caught up in the fluff. What we've evolved into now has been based off of feedback from about a thousand shops around the world. We do payments, we do customer feedback, we're launching some new marketing integrations, really trying to capture kind of all the communication streams from customers to retailers. Yeah, I've heard tremendous, like I said, feedback from retailers saying like they're doing drip campaigns with you or that it's really, you know, they would spend hours trying to call customers to pick up their bikes or whatnot. And they simply text them now. And it's it's a huge time save. They get a response right back. 
you know, we're a bicycle retail podcast, but I also know that you offer services to jewelry stores, pet and music stores. How'd that expansion come up? Was that just an easy rollout into other fields or? We were so targeted on the bike space when we first started. And even once we be like kind of really evolved into communication, it was our main focus. And it's just kind of one of those things where, we're in the bike vertical because it's our passion, like so many that are in the vertical. And then we're in those other verticals because it makes sense from a business standpoint. We became official partners of Lightspeed about three years ago. And, you know, when we were kind of working with them on the initial kind of launch of that relationship, they asked us, they were like, listen, you know, I know the bike space is really where you want to be, but there's all these other verticals that are also interested in this functionality. And so it was kind of their recommendation to neutralize the branding and kind of the verbiage to make it a little bit more, you know, retailers communicating instead of just bike shops. But the bike industry makes up the, you know, probably about 80% of our vertical penetration right now. You know, the fascinating thing is, kind of listening to the pain points of all of these different verticals. And we're all struggling with the same thing, right? We're all having these same issues and we're all coming up with different solutions because of our world experience. So we've gotten ideas for product features from all different verticals and have brought them in to make them kind of vertical agnostic. And that's been a really kind of cool experience through the process. I would imagine being able to just take all this information in that's coming at you and, you know, use it to better not only the bicycle industry, but several industries. I have a question, you know, when you talk about some of the pain points, is there anything that stands out to you that you're, you know, that you're hearing a lot of retailers come out or exposed as a pain point for them in communication? It's the classic, you know, kind of, you can blame the tech industry or the startups or whatever you, whatever you kind of want, but it's a situation where you've had You know, we weren't the only ones who had this original concept of kind of connecting consumers back with retailers. The issue that has come from it is it's created all these different communication streams that need to be managed and they're managed in all these different places. Like it's difficult enough to maintain a point of sale, much less all these different communication streams. You got Facebook, you have Instagram, you have texting, you have email, you have, you know, Yelp, all these different platforms. And that's really overwhelming. I mean, it's overwhelming for a company that has somebody dedicated to doing it, much less somebody who doesn't. So that's one of the big things that we've heard collectively over the past couple of years was like, I can't keep up with everything. And some people make the choice of just cutting. You know, we have some retailers who cut their phone because they don't want to deal with phones. They go text only, which you know I'm all for, but it's a personal choice on behalf of the business. And it's really kind of a big focus of ours over the next year is to bring all of those communication streams into one easy to use ecosystem. I'm so glad you brought that point up because I mean, even with the past two years and, you know, the incredible boom, and I'd say almost like the rush of the early COVID stage, I did hear retailers say that they're not answering their phone. They just like took it off. Like it it was one thing they couldn't deal with. What a great point to bring up just the stress of trying to juggle it all. So true. So is this just you and your brother or do you have, I mean, (laughs) working with so many retailers, do you have a staff that works with specific let's say music or jewelry or bicycle retailers or what's that look like? It's just Drew and I, you know, it's, <laughs> it's like, 
<laughs> I had hair before this started. And for anybody not watching, I don't have hair anymore. <laughs> no, I, I joke, but in all honesty, we have amazing relationships with our users. You know, it's we've always been extremely approachable. You know, we still pick up the phone. We prefer text, but we'll pick up the phone. And you know, it's one of those things you have two, there's two sides of customer service, right? There's proactive and reactive. And so we've always taken an extremely proactive approach. If there's an issue, we will acknowledge it. We will be very communicative of it. We send out emails, we send out text blasts, we put, you know, notifications in Ikeono. And then the other side of it is just being very open to criticism of Ikeono. You know, we joke that Ikeono is the collective frustrations of thousands of retailers, and that's what's evolved the product. And when you approach a product like that, you're not having to sell them on something. They're already bought into it because it makes sense, because it's what their ideas were on how it should work to begin with. And that's really allowed us to kind of go far without having to, you know, add a lot of support staff and a lot of kind of extra. That being said, we probably should. (laughs) It's a hard one, right? Because being the person, you know, to answer the phone or the one to work with the retailer gives you a lot of insight on how you can continue to evolve the platform, I'm sure. So it's like a hard, and it's your baby, right? So it's like hard to turn it over. Okay, so I was on your website, which for our listeners is ikeono.com, I-K-E-O-N-O.com. And so I concluded that after looking at all, you know, it seems like the pricing is really spot on and, and I would say affordable, but I'm thinking about retailers who are like, do I, am I using my landline to text? Do I have a cell phone dedicated for the shop? Just can you dive into how, you know, you say you connect with the point of sale, but how does that actually work for a retailer to use your services? So they need a special line or... Not at all. And, you know, it's one of, it was a serendipitous moment of us having the idea as technology evolved. There's new technology called hosting, which allows us to take over the texting portion of landline and VoIP phone numbers. So all of the other functionality remains with the original carrier. It doesn't cost any extra either from our perspective or from the original carrier. And it allows all of the messaging to be coming from IKEONO, which is, you know, it was a really big deal because at the end of the day, we appreciated that texting isn't always the most appropriate form of communication. You know, we love it, obviously, but you don't text a customer saying like, hey, your $5,000 bike frame is roached. You need a new one. That's probably a phone call. But the fabulous thing about it is you can text the customer like, hey, we need you to call us when you have a moment. We need to talk to you about your bike. And it's coming from the phone number that you want them to call you at. So that led to a really great customer experience. And then the other side of it was that phones are getting smarter. So they're starting to show business names. So by taking over the texting part of the phone number, chances are the customer's phone is going to show the business name, not just some random phone number that was allocated to that business. So, you know, the other side of the coin, you know, that's the texting side. And then the other side was our integration into the point of sales When I was at the shop, we used Google Voice and it just became so difficult to manage because phone numbers would come over to text the customer, but the names typically wouldn't because you're busy, you know, busy season. 
And it might take a little bit for that customer to respond. Next thing you know, you're spending 30 minutes trying to remember what this conversation was even about because there's no context to it. So that was really where we started with the point of sale was taking those customer profiles in the point of sale and turning them into the contacts. That way you're creating it once, everything's synced up, all your contacts and data you could possibly need, your work orders, your special orders, your layaways, all of that is already in the point of sale. We just brought the communication in there. If I'm understanding correctly, this does not affect your phone bill at all then. It's just using the current services you have. And it's a, I'm not, <laughs> this is not my forte, but it just uses the services you already have and then sets up an authentic text that allows the person to dial you right back on that number so they don't have to go searching for a different number. Correct. Wow. It's amazing what technology can do these days. <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah. I mean, and it's one of those things where it's all getting layered, right? Like the original, like, you know, phone technology hasn't changed since it's really been kind of rolled out many a years ago and new stuff keeps getting added and added. So, okay. So then let's go into educating retailers who might be listening to the value of maybe some things they don't think of every day that could be very valuable using Ikeono. Like I remember one retailer was giving me feedback that they were able to snap a picture of something that they saw on a service bike that came in for repair and send it to the customer right away so the customer could view it. Just some things like that maybe that are valuable for retailers that they wouldn't have thought of in communication. Yeah, you know, the service side of the bike shop is such a communication heavy part of the business. And we've dedicated a lot of kind of functionality there. And, you know, the original concept was in New York city, being able to text for service recommendations, you know, being able to say like, Hey, you need a tire, you need a chain, you need a bottom bracket. And, you know, that was something we kind of noticed was this was what a lot of shops were doing. And technically it was totally fine, but it was just, they were having to type it all out. So we brought out the ability to text work order quotes And that was kind of a twofold thing. One, it saved time from the perspective of, you know, not having to type out the recommendations. But then the other side is it created a record of having provided it. You know, we've all had those situations where you call, you read off the work order to the customer, give them a total. They come in, they're like, well, I didn't agree to that. What's this? You now have a record of like, hey, listen, we showed you what we were recommending and you okaying it. (laughs) And then that's kind of evolved over the years. You know, we have automated text based off of like the statuses to keep customers informed. You know, Amazon's changed our perception of communication, right? Like you can get on the Amazon app and see that your delivery is two stops away. And that's kind of trained us to be in the know at all times. You know, one of my favorite examples of that is like the Domino's pizza tracker, right? Like that came out almost a decade ago at this point. And it was just seen as a gimmick at the time. And then maybe still a little bit today, but they saw a 30% increase in repeat pizza sales when that feature debuted. And it's because customers liked knowing where it was in the process. And I see the service as the same thing, right? Customers, like bikes are getting more expensive and bikes are becoming a more integral part of our society. Like we use them to get to loved ones, to run errands, to get to work. And when it becomes that important part of your life, they want to know where it is in the process. And then I can totally, no, I'm just gonna say, I can totally appreciate that. And yeah, I had no idea about that Domino's pizza tracker, but if that's still a thing, I'm definitely going there tonight. (laughs) (laughs) 
it, no, it's a good time. You know, your pizza's being made, your pizza's going in the oven, your pizza's getting cut, your pizza's ready. And like, it's one of those things where it seems like such a simple thing, but it's something that customers and consumers really appreciate now because we're in an all-knowing society. And then, you know, COVID happened, right? COVID changed everything. COVID changed the way the world operates and the way that retailers have to operate. And that was, you know, we made a lot of pivots there too. Like we brought out text payments where you can text invoices where customers can pay remotely. And the original idea was around contactless solutions. But what that's evolving into is enabling retailers to take security deposits because they are having to order product that might not be delivered for six months to a year. You know, I ordered some SRAM shifters for a gravel bike in March last year, and they showed up last week. (laughs) So when you have that kind of delay, kind of really insulating and protecting the business becomes that much more important and ensuring that your customers are invested for you as well. So that, you know, they don't just buy it the second that they find it somewhere else. Yeah, I'm for one a big fan of text payments, especially when you know you you know something's almost ready, you know you're going to be going to get it or pick it up. It saves time, it makes things just more efficient when you get there. But just a question on how the platform responds. What if a, you text a customer, let's say, I don't know, two weeks ago, your bike's ready for pickup. The customer responds two weeks later. Do you get like a email or a notification that someone has responded, even if it's been a couple of weeks, like how, what, how are retailers staying on top of the responses that are coming back? How is that working? Have you heard of the Bicycle Retailer Excellence Awards? The NBDA's Bicycle Retailer Excellence Award celebrates diversity and excellence in bicycle retail. With a focus on inclusivity, the program unites retailers, suppliers, industry organizations, advocates, and consumers in identifying and highlighting exceptional bicycle stores across North America. Recipients will be acknowledged and awarded not only for their excellence in retail, but their integrity, inclusiveness, spirit, and commitment to grow ridership. In 2021, over 300 retailers took part in the program. In 2022, one of them should be you. Visit the NBDA website to sign up now. There's no cost to participate in the program, and all retailers will benefit from completing the revised application featuring highly analytical questions related to the why of your business. Winners will be announced in July 2022, and there will be an exciting awards reception held live in person at the Big Gear Show in August. The Bicycle Retailer Excellence Awards is supported by Ikeono. It has never been more important to make a personalized connection with your customers. Ikeono is connecting local businesses with their communities through text, web, and mobile. Retailers across North America use Ikeono to connect with their customers on a whole new level. Featuring a seamless connection through your point of sale with features such as automated text, real-time notifications, collection of customer feedback, invoice texting, and more. Streamline your interactions and save time. No contracts, no commitments, and low monthly fees. MDA members enjoy special savings. Find out more online at ikeono.com. So it's full feature texting. It's sending and receiving SMS, sending and receiving MMS. It's not one way. So customers can respond in, you know, they can respond in a year later. And with Ikeano, we maintain customer records. So like when the customer texts in, you're going to see all the conversation history you've had with that customer. And it's really what set us apart was 
bringing it into the area where retailers spend so much time. You know, a point of sale accounts for about 80% of what a retailer does on a day-to-day perspective. So we brought all of the functionality into the point of sale. There's a full feature Ikeono portal where you can maintain all your conversations, everything upwards in real time. There's push notifications. We spend a lot of time on notifications because it's such a pain point for a lot of retailers. But then again, you know, the other side of it was we've gone through these point of sales and we've taken the functionality where it needs to be. So if a customer texts in about a work order, you can text in the work order. If a customer texts in about a special order, you can text in the special order area. If they want to do a special order, you can text in a sales screen and capture payment right there. And it really makes it for a seamless kind of integration. You know, pre-COVID, I would go visit shops and just kind of introduce myself and ask how things are going. And, you know, one of the things we prided ourselves on was the fact that nobody really knew it was us. You know, we'd walk in and I'd be like, hey, I'm Brett from Ikeono. And they're like, that's cool. Who are you? I'm like, we do texting and your point of sale. And they're like, no, no, we already have it. It's built in. I'm like, we did that. And I'm glad you like, (laughs) but you know, that's what we've kind of prided ourselves on is building in a way where it just felt intuitive from the get go. It felt like it should have been there in the beginning. So not an easy task. I mean, you touched briefly on just the turbulent times in retail over the past two years with COVID and you spoke, you know, how you responded by adding text payments. And as you continue to monitor communication and how customers are expecting, you know, or how the customer need is changing, is there anything that you're noticing that, you know, as retailers, as an industry, we should keep an eye on? Yeah, I mean, one of the biggest things that we've seen over the past two years is really around how consumers are interacting with businesses, especially right now as the distribution cycles are so skewed. Those consumers are touching multiple retailers to try and find the really specific thing they're looking for, the specific size shoe, the specific chain, the specific bike for that matter, because it's so hit or miss on what you're going to find. And when you have that amount of effort on behalf of the consumer, it needs to be in an efficient way. And, you know, I know there's a lot of kind of like e-commerce is a big thing. And obviously it's a big part of the future of kind of retail, but those are so dependent on accurate inventory accurate, you know, kind of maintenance of these type of situations. And so customers have been burned a few many times on ordering something they think is in stock. It's actually back ordered for who knows how long and trying to find it elsewhere. So being able to communicate really quickly and efficiently with retailers and doing it in a way that isn't very time consuming is how those consumers are going to continue to interact going forward. Yeah, that's a great way to, you know, think about how consumers are expecting. And I agree, you know, I'm hearing from retailers, they're getting a lot of inquiries because people are searching for products and items. You know, I love how you say that it's like, oh, that's, I, hi, I'm Brett. And people don't even know you. And they're like, oh, well, we already do that. A process that you've created that seems like it should have always been there, but looking at how it is assisting retailers and just maybe on some analysis of how it helps in profitability. Have you done any analysis of that? I mean, it's easy to see it's helping, but have you done any data analytics there to see how much profitability we're helping retailers with in the long run by using a service like Ikeono? 
And, you know, there's so much kind of data out there about, you know, 98% open rates on text messages versus, you know, 50% open rates on emails and things like that, where we're really kind of starting to focus is on tracking profitability, like showing and conveying like, hey, this is converting. So we've recently launched a new feature where we can track conversion on some of our marketing metrics. And that is laying the groundwork to start introducing basically data analytics on how quickly are your work orders getting picked up when a customer is notified. So we're tracking it in relation to sales on marketing messaging. And it's one of those things where service recommendations, you know, recommending new products after a big bike purchase, warranty check-ins a year later, things like that. Those are converting really well because it's, you know, one of those things where the automotive industry is so you know, kind of ahead on that because they've done such a great job of conditioning consumers like, hey, you know, get your oil changed every 5,000, every 10,000 miles and communicating really well. So we're seeing a lot from that perspective. And, you know, currently, as far as like the profitability of the service center in relation to texting, it's all anecdotal, but we're hoping to start putting metric on it with our new analytics packages. Yeah, something that came up at the CAB shows was a roundtable discussion with retailers about what if we sent text reminders or email reminders to customers to get their shock service? And then having, if we did that, having the feedback to say, okay, look at these 20 customers came in because of this message. That would be like, wow, this is working. So definitely lots of things to look forward to as you continue to add those features so we can really pull out what's working and what's not. I know there's so much more. We've been spending a lot of time just talking about the texting feature of Ikeona, but you mentioned earlier, there's also the feedback and reviews feature. Could you walk us through how retailers are using these features? Yeah. You know, consumers were changing before COVID, right? We're in this interesting kind of generational shift. And with that, there's a change in consumer behavior. Consumers are walking a lot softer. They're walking a lot quieter, but they're carrying a big stick. And the big stick is the internet. And, you know, there's obviously a big focus on getting reviews. You go to 7-Eleven and you buy juicy fruit. 10 minutes later, somebody asks you how it tastes. So that's definitely one side of it. And we wanted to funnel positive reviews online, but appreciating that some consumers might not be vocal in the store and instead take it online. We also wanted to create a buffer. So how Ikeona works is it first asks a qualifying question. It's like, how was your experience? Were you satisfied or were you not satisfied? Or how likely were you to recommend the business on a scale of one to 10 to a friend or colleague? And then we built in automation around those responses. So let's funnel those online, the positive reviewers online, but let's bring those negative interactions back into the Ikeona's ecosystem outside of the public eye. In many ways, I think the negatives are more important than the positives at this point. You know, reviews are great, right? Google reviews, Yelp reviews, those are all really important. But there's so many situations, especially in the bike space specifically, where it might not rise to the level of going online and leaving a negative review. But the next time that consumer needs to interact with the shop, they might go somewhere else. You know, one of the first, I'll never forget it, is like one of the first experiences when we rolled that feature out was they sent the automation asking how the tune-up was. 
customer responds like, well, you know, tune up went great, but I dropped my chain on the first ride. In the industry, we know it's a finicky front derailleur limit, you know, a quarter turn and you've solved the problem. But so many consumers just perceive that as we did a poor job tuning the bike. And so they'll go somewhere else next time. And that to me is, especially right now, right? We've had such an influx of new people into the bike space. People are picking up bikes that are 10 years old. People are coming into it brand new. Like we have this fresh start to really kind of interact with the consumers that aren't jaded, right? <laughs> like they haven't, you know, they're not 20 year veterans. And I think kind of curating a really great relationship with them and doing it by kind of following up, you know, you communicate easily when they want to, you know, start the relationship, you communicate well during the relationship, and then you check in afterwards and doing it in a way that isn't time intensive, doesn't require an extra person. That's really what we're looking at is those follow-up text. Yeah. I mean, what could be better than getting instant reviews on the experience? I mean, I feel like every retailer would love that. And I, yeah, what you're saying, the positive reviews are, are job well done. I feel good. Thank you. Awesome. But those negative reviews allow us to, you know, either fix the situation, learn from the situation, both, you know, valuable feedback. So anyone working with you can elect to have those on, Brett, or is it something? So any of your features, it's like, we can do this. You don't have to turn everything on, in my understanding. Correct. Yeah. yeah. And it was a really important part of it was making everything as customizable as possible. You know, when everybody's asking for feedback and everybody's doing it in the same way, it feels disingenuine. And so we worked really hard to make all features customizable. So it's whatever verbiage you want. And it's been really important, you know, bike shops in New York City communicate with their customers very differently than bike shops in, you know, California communicate with their customers. And so we wanted to empower businesses to kind of set the tone and interact with their customers however they felt and needed to. So all of this is based off having the customer phone number. And, you know, we've been talking about just collecting customer information. And this can be easy to do when you're maybe writing up a repair or a service is getting dropped off or when someone's buying an expensive new bike that they want to make sure that they have, you know, record of in their database. But what if someone's buying a helmet or a tube or just some lube? You know, how can we ensure that our employees... Or how can we even ask the customer and have the customer feel comfortable giving us their phone number? Any tips there? Yeah, you know, it's uh, the way that we did it to make it kind of an easy solution was introducing paperless receipts. So the ability to text sales receipts, that was kind of a pivotal moment because you're right, like in the service area, it makes so much sense to provide a phone number so that they can give you a recommendation. But from those day-to-day sales, that was the side of, being able to text receipts. So like, here is a value proposition. Like we're paperless. We, you know, email is so susceptible to misspellings. And again, you know, it's just such a saturated kind of communication stream right now that getting a text receipt, having it a part of the record, that was the value proposition to the customer. It's like, here, we'll text it to you real quick. And, you know, then COVID happened, right? And like the concept of contactless anything and everything. They didn't want that paper receipt anymore, right? Like, no, no, I don't want that. (laughs) You know, for better or worse, you know, when COVID kind of really happened, we were like, oh, what's going to happen with Ikeona? Like, what's going to happen with retailers? As you know, the whole world was kind of thinking at that time. And then 
it validated it in a way that we never really, you know, we thought it was going to be five years before there was an embracing of texting like there has been, both by consumers and retailers for that matter. So that's been, you know, those two things of like offering something for giving that phone number and doing it in a time where kind of that communication stream was really embraced by everybody. Yeah. So now here I am thinking about all the pop-ups when you visit a website, this, you know, Mm -hmm. give us your email, get 10% off coupon, or just give us your email to join. Do you anticipate that we'll be seeing that ask change to phone number in the future? Yeah. I mean, it's already happening, right? Like while the world's been changing, so is texting, you know, text, there's, God. I want to say there's 7 trillion texts sent <laughs> and it's just an unbelievable volume shift from where it was even a few years ago. And with that, the industry is pivoting, right? You know, I think the telecommunications industry has seen what has happened with email and is now making moves to prevent that. Not necessarily from like a marketing perspective, like text marketing is very much a thing and will continue to be a thing, but ensuring that it's done in a responsible way that's a good steward for the ecosystem. Starting this year, there's new, there's a new company called the Campaign Registry where all businesses in the United States are required to register their brand identity to be able to text customers. And in return for that, they get better throughput, they get better deliverability, they get access to, you know, better reporting metrics. And so that was something that we embraced early on. You know, we went to the TCR, we're an official vendor of theirs, we handle all the registration on behalf of the retailers. And as such, they get better deliverability of those messages. So it's going to be a two sided thing, right? Like we all need to be really good stewards of texting to keep it from turning into the new email. But at the same time, it's such a more you know efficient way of communicating. Like our joke is that somewhere along the lines, we started texting friends and family and calling businesses. And those two things need to switch. Like we need to be texting our businesses and calling our friends and family. So that's what we're trying to do. <laughs> like that needs to be a bumper sticker. I'm like writing that down. I like that. <laughs> what are you doing? We're doing it backwards, Brett. <laughs> All right. So I have a comment on that. And then I have a question. So a comment is, I do. I have this like 24967 number that is texting me all the time, trying to sell me something. And it's so annoying. So those things have to go. And the direct text from you know companies or brands that I want to interact with, I actually very much enjoy. Just like when the doctor's like, reminder, you have an appointment tomorrow. It's like, oh, thank you for that. I forgot. And then my other question is, as retailers, is it our responsibility to do have our customers who were texting do like an opt-in or is there anything that retailers need to be careful of in that regard? Like, because when we're sending text messages, could it affect our customer's phone bill or, or perhaps, I'm not sure, Brett, can you help me with that question? Yeah. Yeah. And this is kind of something we've always worked really closely with our carriers on is the notion of consent, right? And there's two different areas to it. There's what's considered implicit consent. So when a consumer comes into your business and interacts with you to accomplish something, whether it's a service, whether it's a special order, that customer is giving you implicit consent 
to communicate with them to complete that business. It's you no, know, they started it, you get to finish it. It's no different than a phone call or an email. The other side of consent is explicit. And that's when you get into those mass text and the marketing side of things. And those do require much stricter kind of opt-in compliance, having customers manually opt-in before sending those kinds of mass text. So a lot of Ikeano functionality is predicated on that implicit consent. We're here to really facilitate organic conversations and doing it in a way where, you know, it's a great steward for the texting ecosystem. It's a great experience for the consumer and it's a value add for the retailer. We are working on new marketing features and bringing in some of that mass texting. And with that will come all of the opt-in kind of requirements that you'll need. So you mentioned it on your website, having a like, would you like to opt into our text uh, blast? Text that six digit number, this keyword, and it'll opt you in going forward. Those are the kind of safety checks that keep us all protected and really does a great job of ensuring that consumers are getting the messages that they want to get and aren't getting the ones that they don't. So so many things to think of. It's why it's good to work with someone like yourself or an expert that can help guide you there. As you work with many bicycle retailers, are there some key things that you continue to see pop up that you would say are, you know, errors in communication, you know, or something that you're noticing is like one major thing that many retailers are just not you know, they're missing the bar and this communication level. Yeah, it's, you know, especially when we first started, right, we would go in and we would try and convince them that texting was great. And, you know, one of the first lessons I learned in the bike space was to take your opinion out of it. And, you know, this was in relation to selling a bike, like the first customer walked in, they're like, Oh, do you need DI2? And I was like, oh, well, like it's a nice feature, but it's not an absolute. And like I was taking the side and was told, like, listen, you know, don't let your own personal opinions get in the way of, you know, kind of getting a consumer to where they want to be. And that's how I see texting, right? We all have our opinion of like, well, I want to be able to call a business. And like, well, what if a customer doesn't want to text? And my, you know, my kind of response to that is then don't, you know, we're not saying that texting is going to replace anything and everything. We're not saying shut off your phone, cancel your email, only text. But the trends are showing that the new consumers coming into the ecosystem This is how they want to communicate. And so it's meeting your customers where they are, regardless of your opinion on it, right? If that's how they want to communicate, then great, communicate with them that. If they want a phone call, then call them. If they want an email, then email them. And, you know, the other side of that coin is, you know, from the employee perspective. When I was in New York and was managing or interviewing for jobs, I interviewed at three or four shops in the city. And I kept hearing that, We can't find employees that communicate well, and we can't find them. And again, my response was, it's because we're expecting a younger generation to communicate via means that they aren't comfortable with. Younger generations did not grow up with phone calls. They did not even really grow up with emails from that matter. Like they grew up with texting and with apps. So in giving them the tools by which to communicate, they are going to be more efficient. They're going to be more proactive. They're going to be more responsive, which ultimately leads to a better, you know, kind of interaction for everyone. So, you know, that was a long way of saying it's like, you don't have to be bought into something to appreciate that it is something, right? Like 
you know, I still like my rim breaks, but I appreciate that disc breaks are here. Right. <laughs> so, but what you just said, it's so I'm like, I'm hung up on it. You know, we can't expect, we have a new group of employees, a new group of staff members, a new group of humans that do communicate differently. Like my 11 year old son, you know, chooses communicate just has grown to communicate a much different way than I do as a 42 year old woman. And it's, and I can't expect him to. And, you know, so we have to have put value in that and continue to just grow and evolve our communication methods. And because everything's changing rapidly, like so quickly, like so quickly. Is there anything from your experience that is, let's say, a simple thing that retailers could do today that maybe wouldn't cost a lot of money, but could yield good revenue around communication with customers? Yeah, you know, something that we kind of referencing what I was saying about consumer trends, you know, we brought out a web chat widget, right? And that was in response to COVID, we expected there to be a lot of communication around changing business practices, changing business hours. And instead, that is being used as a shopping tool. So it's a extremely simple thing to add. You know, we did texting on purpose with that widget. You know, my issue with live chat is it's difficult for everybody. It sets an expectation on the consumer that they're going to send a message and get an immediate response, which isn't always viable for a retailer, especially in the busy season. And then the other side of it is a lot of those, when the customer leaves your website, you've lost the ability to interact with them. By doing it via text, you've captured that phone number, you've captured the consent, you've captured the message. We updated that feature to pull in exactly what they're looking at on your website. So if you get a generic question like, hey, do you have this bike? You'll see exactly what bike they're looking at. So you're going into that conversation with context. And then from there, you're able to communicate when you're able to. So you haven't lost the sale. You still have that customer interaction because we're all conditioned just based on society to send a text and it's okay to wait a little bit to get a response. And then, you know, when you're ready to communicate, you respond to the customer. It's an organic conversation. You could close the sale with a text payment link if you really wanted. And those are features that we included in all of our tiers because we saw them as such an important part of the communication. We didn't want to hide them behind a paywall. We didn't want to make it only for those top tier. We felt that this was something that all retailers needed to survive and to thrive really through COVID. So that is you know, something that we see so often nowadays is an entire sale going through without the customer ever even entering the business and doing it in a really organic way. I could see that. So are most retailers that are working with you since it's part of like their point of sale system, do they have, it's just constantly running and open on their computer in the store. Are they dedicating an employee to respond and check, you know, this platform to ensure that customers are being communicated with as timely as possible? It depends. You know, we work with, you know, all kinds, single person shops, all the way up to multi-location chains and everybody treats it differently. You know, we have some retailers who do have a specific person that all they do is sit there and communicate. We'll set them up their own online web store Ikeano account so that they can be fielding the online requests in a different channel. Others are, you know, they're just approaching it like they do day-to-day communication. Everybody's responsible, right? We're really big fans of universal information. Like when I first started, I would text customers from my personal phone number. 
you know, it's been four years and I still get texts from some of those customers sometimes. And the issue with that is like, if that employee leaves, now you have avoid information, right? Like you don't know what the communication stream was. And then the other part of it was like, you know, so many people, we've seen so many who want to really kind of put the identity on whichever employee is communicating. And in our mind, like the identity is your business. Cause like, no matter who is communicating, it should all be at the same level. It should all be universal. And we're all responsible for interacting with that customer. So, you know, we see it many different ways across many different, you know, shops and regions. Yeah. God, I'm thinking about when I used to work for Eddie Merckx and I would text everyone, you know, I would call everyone from my home phone and then my phone would just be blown up all the time, you know, (laughs) set those boundaries. But yeah, the brand is the store, the store is the brand and it's nice to have, you know, I would think that it was, it would be really nice to have anyone on your team interacting, you know, with your customers, not just one specific person, but I'm sure you could set it up that way if you wanted to, it's really what works best for you. So let's talk about just your brother and you just a little bit more. I want to go back there for a second. So how often do you see each other? I mean, do you live close to each other? You know, we, so Drew was in New York City at TripAdvisor when we started this. Cassie, my better half, she got a job in New York City. So we moved and it was like, okay, we'll be together for this. And, you know, I wasn't cut out for New York City. I'm not. It's, you know, I get greatest city in the world, but it just, it wasn't for me. So we ended up moving back in February of 2020, you know, like Cassie flew out the 29th. I think it was a leap year in 2020. And, you know, then the world shut down two weeks later, right? Like we were slated to go up to Montreal to Lightspeed and, middle March and then the border shut down like three days before our flight. So Drew and I didn't really see each other for, you know, almost, it was over a year and we have only seen each other twice since, you know, I drove out to, he moved to Connecticut. He's out of the city. So we're both free. I drove to Connecticut to see them back in July. He's supposed to hopefully come here in a couple of weeks, but you know, it's one of those things where we play a lot of Xbox. We, you know, that's that's how we communicate. And so hopefully one day when the world opens back up, we'll be able to travel more and see each other again. So we are going to share your contact information in a second. But if a retailer was to, you know, call the number on your website or, or reach out, would they connect with you or him or who answers the phone? <laughs> You're not here. Drew doesn't talk to people, (laughs) you know, you know, it's why we work so well together. You know, like there's been so many instances where Drew's built something really cool. And I'm like, nobody in the shop is going to use that. Like, it's cool. And I appreciate the technical perspective, but it's not going to be used. And the alternative of that is like, you know, I'll have an idea and I'll just kind of dismiss it thinking it's not possible. And Drew's like, listen, you like tell me and I'll tell you if it's not possible. So Drew doesn't talk. I'm the talker. So if you call, if you email, if you text, chances are you're going to be talking to me. <laughs> so. Oh my God, the family get togethers must just be <laughs> awesome over there in the Lang household. Drew like walk in, make a comment and start a argument and then walk out and I'm, I fight the fight. <laughs> it's a good time. Oh my goodness. There's so much that we just covered here. You know, just so much is happening with SMS communication. So many areas where retailers 
I mean, if you think about it, customer communication should be at the heart of your business. Like that is, you know, what keeps your business. You know, this is your customers. This is how you interact with them. If a retailer just had questions, Brett, can they call you and just, all right, share it. Will you share your contact? We got to get that out there. What's the best way to get a hold of you? <laughs> Uh, texting preferably. <laughs> uh, He's like, I just told you I don't talk on the phone. <laughs> no, I will pick up the phone and I will have a conversation. I don't get to get out much anymore. I'm kind of, you know, stuck at home at this point. So anytime somebody calls, I don't have a lot of friends. Drew's my only friend. So um, <laughs> you can text or call me at 720-549-0811. Five five, or you can email me at it's just Brett B R E T T at ikeono.com. All communication streams come to me, so you can email anything at ikeono.com and it'll come to me. <laughs> now you're gonna get blown up, Brett. <laughs> Be ready for it. We will share the website in the show notes too, Brett. Before we close out here, anything else? Anything else? You know that I forgot to ask you, didn't cover, or are you going to the Big Gear show? We can keep it simple. I don't know. I hope so. Yeah, it's, you know, we went to Cabda right before the world shut down and it was one of the best experiences. We went to San Diego and then we went to Chicago and being able to kind of interact with it, like, you know, we saw a lot of people that were only behind an email or a text at that time, right? Like Dan from Salon Cycles, you know, he's one of our OGs and we were able to meet in person in Chicago and it was such an amazing experience. So like as things continue to open back up, we're excited to get back out and start going to, you know, the big gear show and things like that. You know, and the other kind of side of the coin is we try to be really open to ideas. You know, we know that Ikea isn't the end all be all and we know it's not perfect and we want to keep making it better. So like, you know, if anybody has ideas, we're always open to them because we really do take it to heart. And it's, you know, how we're going to continue to build new features. Yeah, I love that. Inviting inviting the feedback, right? That's what we got to yeah. do. It's better. <laughs> Brett, thank you so much. This has been a super fun conversation. And I really appreciate your support of the MBDA and retailers and sharing your expertise with us on Bicycle Retail Radio. Hopefully we'll see each other out at the Big Year Show or at another event or at a store or shop somewhere. It will happen. <laughs> I'm sure. It's when you're in the industry, you're in the industry, right? Like you can leave for 10 years, but you're still in. And so. Weird how it works. All right. So that is it. Thank you, Brett, for coming on Bicycle Retail Radio. I invite you to come on and share your story with our listeners head over to the MBDA website. There's lots of events coming up. And if you're a fan of YouTube, head over to YouTube page to view some of our episodes. If you're a first time listener, be sure to check out the previous episodes, leave reviews. It always helps us reach more people. If you want to support the show, subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you for listening. And with this, we go. This has been Bicycle Retail Radio by the National Bicycle Dealers Association. For more information on membership and member benefits, join us at nbda.com. Bicycle Retail Radio.